Shop Talk is back. With the support of LSETF, we're sat down with some young, brilliant entrepreneurs to learn the secret behind their success so that just maybe we can do the same thing. Tola, how are you? I'm doing good. Doing good. And how's, how's, because I mean, there's no denying COVID, right? right. So how's, how's the last like year and a half affected you business wise and how you think? Um, I think with the unique situation of our country, um, how I think hasn't really changed. Mm. Um, how I respond has changed. Yeah. Um, as far as business is concerned, um, of course, you know, being heavily invested in the hospitality sector, um, I knew from day one. Mm. I knew it wasn't going to be a journey. I remember putting all my staff together in one room um, just when they announced the lockdown, <clears throat> or when we we're going to go into lockdown in March 2020. Yeah. And um, of course, a lot of people in Nigeria didn't understand, even the elites, they understand yeah. the enormity of what was about to happen. Um, the staff obviously looked at it like, okay, we'll be done for, you know, we'll go home for four weeks and then we'll come back. And I sat these guys down and I explained to them, I said, look, you know, what is about to happen, right? It's going to be life changing for yeah. us as individuals and us as a business. Unfortunately, some people might make it, some won't, yeah. right? I, I said, look at the guy on your left and look at the guy on your right, because you might not see him the next time we are in this room, if ever we come back in this room, because there are circumstances that you can't control, right? And I knew straight away that I had to begin to re-strategize and plan, yeah. uh, put a 24 month plan in place um, of what we can stomach as a business. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and, and that happened across all, all the different businesses. So from the restaurants, I, I, I opened my hotel. My first hotel mm. was opened a week before COVID hit. Mm. Um, so you can imagine after dumping, you know, over a million dollars in an investment, um, and you're about to open and start recouping. Um, you've done this grand red carpet opening. And then two weeks after the government announced, announced the nationwide lockdown. Yeah. Um, of course that threw me away straight into panic. But again, like I said, the way I respond is what has changed. Yeah. So, okay, what do I do um, that can keep the wheels rolling? And, you know, I'm not going to go into too much of the details, but um, we survived it. I, um, I um, made a very, very important phone call. When the lockdown hit, um, the hotel was positioned very strategically in VI. And I knew straight away that there were some services that cannot afford to yeah. shut down. Yeah. ATMs have to run, POSs, transactions have to happen because people have to live. So I made a phone call straight away to the CEO of InterSwitch, uh, Mitchell, who's a friend and yeah, mentor. And I said, look, Mitchell, what's going on? Um, you guys have to operate. You guys, you guys are the backbone of every banking yeah. uh, infrastructure in Nigeria. Um, you know, what are you guys going to do? Is it lockdown? You guys have to stay somewhere. Take my hotel. Mm. I'll crash my rates by 70, 80%. Take my place. And let something be happening. He took my entire hotel throughout COVID. Mm. That's, that's, that's smart business. And response. even the thought to even think yeah. of So that. the response, exactly, because, you know, in Nigeria and our environment, it's fire, fire brigade approach most times. You know what I mean? We're always looking to put out fires mm. um, because of lack of planning. But what I've learned over my 11 years of doing business in Nigeria since I moved back um, is it's all about your response um, because the problems are not going to go away. Mm. Um, so, is, you know, are you ready to respond in a way where you don't sink 
so it's been challenging, you know, um, it's, it's unique. Our business is unique because it's not just Lagos based, you know, right. a different experience in Calabar, different experience in Enugu, in Abuja. It was all different experiences. Having to manage all the different uh, moving parts mm. was pretty interesting. But again, um, we're determined to hang in there. It's still not over. We're still not back to uh, normal. Yeah, the if normal. there is normal again, yeah. right? <laughs> um, but you know, we're, we're resilient people. Um, we 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 came into business to win and to stay. So that attitude um, didn't change. Um, um, kept focused. Um, I also happened to be in a in a um, in a vital sector which is the pharmaceutical sector mm, as well. Yeah. So during COVID, I was very busy. So I never, I never, I was never locked down. So I had a pass. So I, I was always on the, on the, on the road because at that point, the country needed all the pharmaceutical players yeah. to step their game up, you know, to, to support in whatever way. So I was doing that throughout uh, COVID, um, um, back and forth. I went to my factory almost every day in Ogun State. Of course, the roads were clear. So it took me about 15 minutes every day, <laughs> but I plowed the roads every day to the factory to ensure we're ramping up on production, we're moving things out yeah. to hospitals, um, you know. So it was also a busy period. So again, we don't put all your eggs in one basket. You know, COVID was bad for my hospitality business, but was 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 helpful for my yeah. pharmaceutical business because the government all of a sudden realized that there's a huge uh, pharmaceutical and medical deficit yeah. in the country that cannot be fixed for another 20 years. We need to start somewhere. And they were, you know, for the first time in a very long time, the government, you know, stretched their hands, your hands out, saying, "Guys, what can we do for you?" Yeah. You know, so um, that was that was pretty interesting. But you know, you know, the um, the fight doesn't end. For me, like my my usual illustration with business in general is is twelve rounds of boxing. Mm. I box every day. I do it because I love it. I do it because it's good good workout. It helps me distress. Um, Business, your business life is like 12 rounds of boxing. You can prepare for a boxing fight for two years mm. and you get knocked down in the first 10 seconds. Mm. Or you can, go into the, you can go into the ring and fight your heart out for 12 rounds. Someone has to win, win, lose, or draw. But you, you, give, you, you give your best for the 12 mm. rounds and hopefully you get, you, know, you get the results you're looking for. One of the very early things you said, right, was... The first thing you did when lockdown was announced was you come, you brought your team together. Now, with so many different things, what when you're looking at business, right? How large, because your team might go down to your core business staff, leadership, and then there's also like, you know, right at the bottom of the chain in terms of staff. Now, when you're cultivating a team, how what is so what is important to make sure that people are all part of your vision? Um, and how do you take it from being, these are employees and these are staff, to this is actually a team? How do you cultivate that atmosphere in a business? Right. So my general style of leadership is to throw my management structure into the deep end. Mm. You see that you can swim or you drown. Mm. If you're drowning, I'll let you drink some water for some time and I can pull you out. I don't, I, I'm not this, I'm not this you know, um, spoon feeding yeah. kind of <laughs> boss. I try and, you know, lead by example. So, and, and that's one thing um, that, you know, people lack. People go into businesses and they're not fully educated about the business. It's just driven by passion. Mm. And I'll come there later. But um, what I try and do is understand the business well enough, right? To bring on people, right? Who have unique skills that can mm. complement each other, complement myself. 
and um, let them independently, you know, take the wheel and drive. Mm. Um, and they have to live by whatever mistakes they make. Um, and mistake, mistakes come with punishments. I don't, I don't, I don't, um, I don't hold back from bringing out the whip for these guys. But I let, I let them know it's coming from a good place because one day they want to be in my own shoes. They want to own their own business. They want to do things uh, in the right way. And and you know, um, I see it more as investment in young people as opposed to just um, invest investment in skills because I, I try as much as possible to keep my my my, my age bracket for employment low at least within the, the youthful age, yeah. um, just so I can, you know, indirectly or directly mentor people by leading my example. So I, um, I um, you, know, you know, I cover them because in Nigeria, you always want to feel like you, you have some kind of cover. Because yeah. even people like, even us in our positions, wherever, wherever it might be, we have egg bonds, we have, yeah. we have parents, we have people in government that we can always wake up one morning and be like, you know what, there's trouble, but I can make a phone call. Yeah. You know what I mean? So you want your management guys, you want your people on your team to also feel they have that cover. My boss has my back. Um, in whatever in, 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 mm. in whatever it is, whether it's your personal life, whether it's work, whatever it is. So I keep that door open uh, and I try to um I try to just um lead, lead by example. Um they know. Um, you know, you send me an email, you expect a response yeah. within seven minutes. Regardless, I mean the only time I won't respond is between eleven p.m. and 4 a.m. From 5 a.m. I'm up. Yeah. So, and if I'm in the plane, I, I'm connected to Wi-Fi. So, I'm never disconnected. They, they 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 see it as, you know, oh, wow, he doesn't really need to be doing this. So, those things help uh, motivate the guys. But I also like to leave some level of control with them so they can um, they can grow and so they can um, they can build their confidence. How do you how do you make that decision? And I say that from the perspective of like knowing when you have gotten your team to a point and your people to a point where you can actually step away mm. because especially because you're in so many different um, areas and you have businesses in so many different fields how do you know when you've kind of gotten to that point where you can step away from this like you can trust the people you've got so the biggest mistakes we make as businessmen or entrepreneurs is like i said we don't know the business well enough mm. so we fear that Losing control might lead to some kind of disaster, yeah. right? I can, I can, I can break down your operations with my eyes closed. If I'm there for six months, or if I'm not, right? From one email, I can bring out seven different things that have gone wrong, and they know mm. because I understand the operations end to end. I'm not a chef, but I understand what portioning is, what what uh, reorder levels are. Your SOPs. I know everything about your SOPs. I don't just I don't know how to cook the food, but I know everything mm. the back end structure. So when you send me an email saying we ran out of this, right? Or you know, this was rejected, two things have happened. The guys in the procurement or the guys in the stores didn't follow the SOPs. Mm. I can flag straight away. So I'm never afraid to give people delegate and give people responsibility because I can easily pick up on when they're either about to go wrong or they, so, or they have gone wrong. So the reason, the main reason is we, don't, we pay so much attention on things like finances, which is important, yeah. and um, marketing and advertising and the, gl the glamour of the business. You know, that's the biggest mistake with entrepreneurs in Nigeria. They focus more on Instagram and Facebook success yeah. as opposed to 
being successful at the back end. Yeah. For the longest time, you know, I'm a, I, always, I'm, I'm always tell people I'm a back end guy. I'm a guy, you don't see me, but you hear my voice. Mm. You know what I mean? I try as much as possible to understand everything. I'm not a doctor. I'm not, I, I didn't even study anything related to medicine, mm. but I'm into, I'm in, I'm in pharmaceuticals, you know, I, I mean, and um, it's crazy. But I have to learn, if you're going into something, understand it fully. So, I mean, you never stop learning, but mm. you have enough knowledge to, to, uh, to, you know, to carry so on. And step out. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, you always have to also, of course, you have to try and pick the right talent. It's very hard to identify what is right and what is wrong in Nigeria, but it's, you know, in the world in general, but it's a lot easier when you have knowledge yeah. as well. Because when you have knowledge going into an interview, you know, the questions you ask, you know, the kind of body language, you know, the response from them tells you a lot. You can, yeah. you can use a response from, from an interview uh, and you can use that to predict um, what kind of person this guy you end up being, yeah. um, but that that's a, as a factor of the knowledge you've gained um, over, over a period of time. So for me, um, of course, it wasn't always like this. Again, you know, eleven years isn't really uh, it's not a lot, but it's it's a good amount of time. Yeah. Um, and in the early days, it wasn't always you know like this. Um, but I think in my in my early days, what what I did was to 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 start my journey of learning. I took on majority of the the, 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 the roles yeah. to understand it. So I'm doing finance, I'm doing uh, management, I'm doing stores, I'm doing procurement. So I, I took all that to gain as much knowledge, use that to build a structure and let it let it run. It's funny that that's come up a lot, the idea, I guess, of bootstrapping, taking mm -hmm. as much on for yourself in the early days mm -hmm. so you actually understand it. Mm -hmm. that by the time you step away from it, there's you've had experience in every part of the business. You're not saying, let me just start this business and then walk mm -hmm. away from it. I want to start with um, 355. Right. How, how do you go about saying, this is something I want to get in? And what decisions do you need to make to say that this is a viable business? Because I know restaurant business is generally considered a very risky business it to is. be in. It is. So, well, with 355, I mean, um, so a lot of people don't know this, but it was a, there was, 355 was born from another business. Yeah. And um, before 355, I had a laundromat and a cafe yeah. in the same location. And uh, I ran that business for two years. You know, it was a little cafe. So the idea was, it was the first laundromat in Nigeria. And the idea was, you know, to bring the, the, the Western culture of you yeah. taking your dirty clothes to a laundromat. Uh, you wash the clothes, you dry the clothes, you pack it up in a bag and you go home. And, um, but then I put a little twist to it because like, Nigerians don't read. <laughs> um, there wasn't really a lot of social media then, so people are going to be bored. Mm. So throw in a cafe, serve food, coffee, people can do their work while the laundry is being laundry. done. Um, and, you know, that was good. So I, so for two years, I ran that, you know, understood a little bit about the F&B business. Um, but my passion was, you know, has always been the lifestyle business, you know, lifestyle covers a lot. Lifestyle, um, hospitality. Uh, so restaurants, and that's why I'm in restaurants, lounges, I'm in fitness yeah. as well, and then hotels. Um, so the first phase was 355 after um, uh, the cafe. So the cafe kind of, uh, I, I rounded that up. I moved it, moved the laundromat to um, to uh, the Lekki Aja area to service the VGC area and all that. And then we refurbished the building and, and 355 was born. Yeah. Um, and if, and moving into it, um, I always knew, and I always tell people this: passion is not enough. Yeah. 
Um, people go into business because they're passionate. Passionate can only get you very far. Um, you're going to be tested. Your passion is going to be tested when all the issues come and you're going to begin to think, is it worth it? Is it mm. not? So I wasn't just going to go into it from, a, from the fact that I love the lifestyle hospitality business. Uh, the passion was there, but I, I went into it to change the narrative. So when I went, when I opened uh, nine years ago now, um, um, there wasn't a lot of indigenous Nigerian owned yeah. places. Um, I felt like the hospitality sector was heavily dominated by foreigners. Yeah. Um, whether local foreigners, because yeah. of course a lot of them are second generation uh, foreigners who are pretty much Nigerians. So yeah. no, no disrespect to anyone. But I felt like um, Nigerians need to get more involved. I need to do it the right way. So I was going with passion and a movement. Mm. And uh, at the back of my mind, I knew I couldn't fail because me failing will mean I failed my people. Uh, and me failing will mean I shut the door because I'll be, I'll be a bad example to a lot of people who had mm. it in their head. So that, 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 that drove me to ensure I'm doing things the right way, ensure you know, um, the, the, the structure is right, the business is right, you know, the environment is right. Um, and that reduced the risk. Mm. When you're when you are when you're going after something with passion as well as to prove a point, to open to open uh, open people's eyes and create a new sector, um, you you're, you're almost at zero risk because whether you win, lose, or draw, um, you're going to prove your point that it was done, um, and it can be done. Um, whether it can be done better by other people or whatever it is. I'm, I'm going to go into this. Uh, and that's what we did. And of course, you know, I, 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 stood, my, um, I stood my ground and, my, um, and, and I kept pushing and pushing and pushing. And, you know, and 24 months after we opened, it opened a completely yeah. new sector. I mean, I can't, I can't begin to tell you. I mean, a lot of people, when I tell people that we're nine years old, people can't believe it. Um, and, I, and I can't begin to tell you how, how, how many people you know, that came to 355 and saw what we were doing, whether it was the interior, it was the menu and lift, yeah. it was the staff. You know, even, you know, we changed the narrative with how people looked at waiters yeah. and waitresses and all that. We created a new, a new sector, you know. Um, and, um, and for me, that's the most exciting part. Yeah. And, I, and my, my scaling has always been around that same mindset. You know, let's do this 2x, 3x, 4x, 6x, 10x. Um, because you're you're creating jobs, you're you're, you're opening up um, um, a sector for people, yeah. um, and I think it's been um, it's been it's been a rough road, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I'll do I it mean, all over again. So you said, and you've said twice now, right, that passion isn't enough. Yeah. So if you're going something, you've got a passion for it, and that's all well and good. What kind of questions, especially in a Nigerian environment, do you say it's important for people to be able to ask themselves an answer before they take that risk and that step? So passion is good because um, with passion, you get creative, right? Um, but in, in the environment that we're in, yeah. the reason why I'm saying passion is not enough is because, um, unfortunately, you don't have the luxury of sitting down in Dragon's Den, and you're passionate about something, yeah. you have a bunch of guys who we have to uh, offload you yeah, some cash, fund and can <laughs> give you money. You can't take passion to the bank. Yeah. Um, you have to do. You have to do your homework. You have to say, okay, how do I, 
how do I make my passion a reality? How do I convert my passion uh, and execute it? Um, so the first thing I always tell people that are passionate about a particular business is try and sell your business to someone that's willing to partner with you. Yeah. People have issues with partnerships. I think I find it very funny because Nigerians and our, our and I guess it's an African thing. You, you, want, you want to hold on to everything. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and it's changing now because the tech sector is really growing and people... And a lot people, of partnerships people, yeah, are people are now on understanding that if I own 3% of, of Paystack, I can get paid $10 million mm. as opposed to thinking I'm owning 100% of nothing. Um, so I think it's changing, but um, you need to be able to sell that idea because what that happens... What now happens is, you know, if you're able to convince another person by your passion, right? It means you're already, that's step one to executing because you'll be able to convince one person. If convinced the person well enough that he's willing to partner with you and possibly throw in some, some money, yeah. use his contacts, um, expose you to his own world, um, do that. And then, you know, between the two of you, 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 you begin to figure out, I did that. You know what I mean? 355 was my idea, but then I called my partner who um, went to went to, to uni together and our apartment was actually called 355. That's why, that's how the name came up. And we lived together in, in the apartment and we had so many beautiful memories and it was the go-to place to have fun and to hang out. Yeah. So I was like, look, you know, we did that and we had fun. We can do it again and make money. Yeah. Right? And he loved the idea. He bought it. I'm like, this is this, this is the role you're gonna play, right? I know you're not a business person, whatever it is, you're royalty. Um, but this is what I need you, this is what I need you to play. And if we do it the way I'm saying we should, we will win. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, you know, I had the resources to go on my own. I had the network to go on my own. But I always say, when you're passionate about something, you have to be able to convince someone of that passion. One person. Mm. Just try convincing one person. Um, and you, 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 can, you can see it with all the great people across the world. The Bill Gates, the Warren Buffetts, all these guys. There's one person who's either a su su successor today or has the second biggest shares in the company who, silent or not, you might not know some of these people. Facebook, yeah. all these guys have it. Facebook's guy went off to do his own thing. Zuckerberg went somewhere else. But these guys, they, 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 spoke, they spoke about this idea together. They, 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 they planned it together. Yeah. Some of them don't end up executing together, but there's always one person you, you have to be able to convince um, that can either tweak your mind a little bit so your passion is altered or can open your eyes that your passion is not going to work. Yeah. So you should probably go look for a new, you know, a, a new idea or whatever it is. Um, so I think that's, um, um, that's very important. So the kind of questions you need to ask yourself okay, I have this passion to make this cup. Um, you know, I don't know how to start. I have no money. Um, sell it, you know, try and sell it to a friend, family, whatever. Just sell it to one person. Get, try and be able to convince them first. Um, and then once you're, once you're successful at that, I think, um, um, you know, you're, you're broken the red tape and you, you'll figure it out. You'll figure it out from there. Okay. So the next thing you kind of ran into is this idea of partnership and the culture around partnership that we seem to have here, mm -hmm. which you said is changing and yeah. it's visibly changing, yeah. right? We're beginning to see a lot happen in the tech space and other businesses are starting to cultivate that. What is the most important? So let's say beyond convincing someone to run with you, mm -hmm. if you're partnering with something or entering a partnership, what do you need to be able to see 
um, in, in, in a potential partner of your business? So with every partnership, there is the person, there is the main person who actually, you can come up with an idea at the same time together. Yeah. Right? So there'll be a spearhead. It's called founder, yeah. co-founder, but really and truly, it's, it's called co-founder because, it's called co-founder, co-founder because you, you don't want anyone thinking there's any kind of hierarchy. Yeah. Right? But really and truly, there's a founder and there's a co-founder. Yeah. It's, really, it's really not co-founder, co-founder. But most times when you see, it's all, oh, you know, both of them own it, which is fine. No one's fighting for ter territory. Yeah. But there's always, my, my, my point is, there's always one person who brings it up. And then the next person um, kind of agrees with you and then you guys run with it. Um, things that you need to look for. Um, if it's, and this, this is unique with the kind of business. Yeah. So we're talking about a business that you want to grow. Yeah. We're not talking about investment. Investment is, is different. I don't, I don't yeah. need to know you to invest in your company. Yeah. Right? So that's completely different. But if you're trying to grow something, grow a business to be some multinational, or you want to, you know, at some, some point in, you know, in the business, list the company to go public, um, you have to look for a few things. You have to look for, the first thing you need to look for is the relationship between you and that person needs to go beyond friendship. Yeah. There has to be some, it doesn't have to be blood, blood, but blood shouldn't make any difference. Yeah. You have to be brothers, sisters with that person. You know what I mean? Because so many people are going to say things about your partner to you um, that can throw things off. And um, it's an evil world. Uh, people mm. just sit down, look for look, looking for ways they can break um, a strong bond between partners. Um, so you need to you need to have a relationship that can fight through some of those things. That's one very important. Two, you have to identify the skills both mm. of you have. Right? Some people are good at executing, right? Paperwork. Or some people are good at they're on the road. They're marketing, they're, they're talking, they're giving it, yeah. they, you know, they, they, they're giving it the spillsh, right? Don't ever feel like once you identify your strengths and your weaknesses, you're never going to feel like you're doing more. Mm. So when you're going to an equal partnership with someone, the tendency for you to start feeling lax, like, what does this guy do anyway? You know what I mean? It's going to, that body language you're going to tell on your staff mm. and you're going to tell on your business eventually because you're going to start slipping just because you feel like, okay, nine years down the line or ten, ten years down the line, I've done all this work. And the other person has Yeah, I, you know, and I've expanded, I've done this, I've done that. And then I have some guy who just takes all the glory. No. Because I always tell people, right, your business is bigger than you. At some point, right, if you're truly in this to build, right, you need to understand that your business is bigger than you. So my brand is bigger than me. I'm, only, I'm taller at Wushika. I can only be in one place at one time. But Thief can be everywhere. So you're bigger than me, right? I might be the one that, the, the brain box, but it's now bigger than me. So you, whatever you do, right, you always have to you always have, to have that back of your mind and don't let things like that. So when you identify um, your strengths and your weaknesses, you guys spell it out. That, okay, this is what I'm going to be doing. This is what I'm, this, this is what I'm doing. Don't come in my way. I'm going to come in yours. Um, trust that I will do what I've said I will do to the best of my ability and beyond. And I'll trust that you can do yours. If you are able to, you know, get those two things right, um, most times, 
and it's not all the time because life just happens. Yeah. Right? Most times, the partnership will last a very long time. Or, um, and most times, um, the result, the outcome is always um, usually positive and good. So we've seen, and you know, consistently you see this, you see trends of businesses that start, fail, start, fail, people doing different things and their businesses don't last. What is essential in building a business that has longevity? Discipline. There's no other word. I always tell people. Um, the idea of spending after saving mm. is crucial. Especially in a, a cash society like ours, mm. a society that's heavily influenced by people's lifestyle. There's a certain level of military discipline you need in business. Trust me, I'm talking seeing 10 million naira in your business account, but your personal account has 100,000, right? But you know that money is tied to procurement, mm. it's tied to paying vendors, right? It's tied to reinvesting, expanding. Mm. And the, the discipline to resist that trip to London mm. that, you, that, <laughs> that, that you can possibly take, mm. right? And move things around. You can just go to London, spend two million of that money, no problem. When I come back, you know, I project, we boost up the sales, I can make it up, you know, maybe I reduce my dividends in Q Q4. Then what happens when COVID hits in the middle of your trip in London? Hmm. Unforeseen circumstances. People make mistakes because as human beings, all we can do is plan in our heads hmm. the perfect outcome. But then life happens. So you have to have a certain level of discipline that you will not touch that cup. Mm. So what, where, where does um, vision come in? Because you talked about, you know, as human beings, we tend to, to try and paint the best picture in our heads. Um, when you're in business and you're thinking for the future, where does being able to see or to try as best as possible to see the worst possible outcome come in helping you make those correct decisions? Mm. Think about the worst things that could possibly have happened so that you don't, accidentally go ahead and spend money that you really you couldn't yeah. afford to. So you have the problem is solved with discipline. Because with discipline comes calculation. It means you're calculated to the T. Mm. Right? You, they're, they're possible. You know, you have a cushion for almost everything. Mm. You have plan A, plan B, plan C. Right? And then when COVID happens, we all sit down at home and say, you know what? God take all of us. Yeah. <laughs> because this one, this one, I mean, you can, I mean, you can, yeah, you can do everything right, but you can't plan for COVID. You just can't. And at that point, you let the, you let the world fix itself. Yeah. Right? And you do what you can, but you're in a better position of surviving because you're disciplined, because you have cushion, because you're made a plan A, B, C, you're in a better position than the next guy. And that's why you're going to survive. And that's why you're going to get a grant. And that's why you'll be more attractive to a bank to give you a bailout. Mm. Because they've seen that trajectory and the only thing that you couldn't plan for was a natural disaster. You know what I mean? So discipline solves majority of that problem. Mm. Um, so I, I think, I think when, when, you're, when, you've, when, when you're putting your vision together and you're, 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 you're trying to envision where your company is going to be in 10 years or in five years, um, 
let discipline be at the forefront, you know, forefront of, of, of whatever plan is going to be. Because for me, from, from the moment I opened my first business, I knew I was, I knew I, I had a plan to get, to get to 10x. And from 10x, I have my plan. Mm. What I want to do after 10x. Mm. You know, that was done from day one. Now, in between one and 10, a lot of things will change. You have to move things around. Uh, you might not meet all the timelines, but with that, with the, with the vision, the structure, the discipline, um, you'll get there. You said earlier on that one of the big things for you is you decided there's a passion for lifestyle, right? Yeah. It's why you do, it's why you're in um, hospitality, restaurant business, fitness, you know, fitness yeah. and everything. Um, what motivates you? Like, what is that thing that motivates you in every business? What, what, what is that thing that keeps you going? So, I always told myself that under 40, I wanted to be the biggest employer of labor in terms of young people. Mm. Um, age bracket between anything from 22 to 35. I want to be that guy that employs 90% of those people. Right? So I open businesses with the mind, mindset of employing. Mm. Businesses that can bring in more hands to help me get to my goal. So I wake up in the morning and I'm driven by that goal. I need to get to this goal. I need to open more businesses. I need to open more restaurants. I need to open more fitness clubs. I need to open more hotels. Because the more I expand, the more I can help people, yeah. the, more, um, the more my true passion for the people and for our country um, is realized. Um, but I'm doing that by driving my business with heavy level of discipline yeah. and structure. Um, but at the same time, um, that fire is burning because at the back of my mind, I know this is what I'm trying to achieve. I know this is, this is what I'm really, really passionate about as a people. You know what I mean? Because like I always tell people, 90% um, of our problems in this country will be solved if people had exactly what they do. You know, we have a population of, of people that wake up and um, they don't know what they're going to do. They don't know how they're going to eat. They don't know what is next for them. Um, if you can build businesses that can create careers for people, um, whether it's housekeeping, or it's been on the floor, or it's been a bar back. Yeah. Um, these are industries globally, right? That people have been successful from. You can stand out as the best barman in the whole of West Africa, yeah. right? And open your own institute of bar, or, you know, to train train people, or mixologists, or whatever yeah. it might be. You know what I mean? But you have to be able to open people's eyes, uh, you know, and create those sectors. Um, and, you know, um, once you do that, um, the fire never stops because um, there's so much to do. You know what I mean? There's so much to do, um, very little time. So for me, um, I wake up every morning, you know, wanting to do more because because of that. Yeah. Without uh, encouraging any competitors, right? So outside of lifestyle stuff, what would you say are the big areas in which we can start to create employment in Nigeria? Of course. So the the the, the obvious one is agriculture. Um, simply because we have it all. It just doesn't make sense um, that you can leave a seed somewhere and come back in three months and, you know, it's a tree. The tree is growing and, you know, um, harvest starts or whatever. So agriculture is big, um, definitely a big sector, um, simply because it's everywhere. Mm. Um, there's, there's, no, there's no ethnic 
issue. Um, every state, every part of the country has what is unique to them. Yeah, It makes sense. Um, there's still a food deficit in the country. We still largely rely on imports. So it's a sector that needs to be encouraged. Yeah. Um, and more light needs to needs to be thrown on it. The second sector, of course, technology is um, it's huge. The whole world is getting smaller because of technology. Yeah. Um, Nigeria has tremendous talent um, in, um, in, te in tech. Uh, you know, trust me, I, I um, in the last three years, I've done a lot of tech investments, yeah. uh, investing in a lot of startups. Um, and, you know, I see some of these kids, this guy's amazing, yeah. you know, what they can do. Um, so that sector needs to be fully, fully developed. And I know Lagos State, Microsoft and, you know, Facebook and all these guys have these huge plans. But again, let's try and localize it. Yeah. Um, so they don't keep exporting our, our talent out because that's pretty much what is happening here. These guys are not here. Like the oil sector, they came very early. Uh, they saw what we had. Um, they, they put in investments and then they started taking all our stuff. We don't need to make that mistake twice. Um, technology is the future. Um, I think our government needs to be very careful about how they mortgage, they mortgage that because... Um, I'm seeing, you know, early signs that there's a lot of potential. Microsoft promising to build a technology village mm. in Yaba. We don't want you to build any village. Yeah. You know what I mean? Go borrow money and build a village yourself. Yeah. And get these guys to tie into um, the what country's vision. Yeah. You know, because um, this is the mistake of of always made. Um, and our leaders, unfortunately, there's you know their short-sightedness. You know, have kept them. Uh, making those decisions or always going to keep mortgage in the future so technology is is um is a big one and uh, the, the third one is manufacturing um there's no country can survive on Im imports mm. forget it uh, and that's one reason why one major reason why i went into um manufacturing yeah. um because at some point right every, we're going to come to a to, to, to a to a hold we all we, we almost did during COVID, right where the entire world is thrown into confusion. And then you're trying mm. to get food across to and Africa. Everyone's trying to hold their yeah. own country for themselves. You guys are not priority. Yeah. Right? Because no one cares about you. And you don't produce anything. Right? At some point, we're going to implode. So for me, it's very, very crucial for entrepreneurs to think less about the quick money and start focusing on building. Getting to, I know it's a lot harder. And trust yeah. me, I've been I've been manufacturing now for eight years, but it's a very tough sector because the government doesn't all the odds are against you, mm. right? The government doesn't really pay much attention. The infrastructure in the country isn't the greatest, so you you're having to do so many things that you shouldn't be doing um, in that sector. But that's like everything else in Nigeria. But so people run away from it because it's just at a much bigger scale. Mm. Um, but Ten years down the line is going to be a different conversation, right? When there's a war, because it's always going to be uh, wars. When there's a war somewhere, some conflict somewhere in West Africa or East Africa, the WHO is going to come to me and tell them I should tell me I should produce X amount of IV fluids yeah. and fly it to them because it's conflict here. They're not going to ask you to go to go um, to go buy it from the market or buy. Yeah. You know they're going to. So you have to start thinking this way: What problem can I solve before the problem comes? Exactly. So yeah. the point is, whatever it is, no matter how little it is, we don't produce anything. And again, we're making the same mistake by letting, again, with all due respect, I'm, I, I mean, I'm just, I'm just patriotic to my country. We're letting the foreigners take, take on that huge responsibility. They're gonna, we're mortgaging our, our lives again. 
I, I plowed I plowed plow down um, Lagos Ibano Expressway four times a week when I'm going to my mm. facility. And I see all the factories that are springing up. And I ask questions. And it's the Chinese, it's the Indians, it's the Lebanese. What's going on? Mm. What's going mm. on? You know, I'm so, like, you guys are going to come again, take all the juice, and then we're, we're going to remain staff. I want to go back and really just kind of focus on how you started to spread businesses. Because when you're going into a new venture, you start out with Five. How, how do you pick what's next? And do you have a pre, pre-made strategy for the businesses you go into? Right. So my strategy is simple. I don't, I don't build what I'm not interested in. Because interest is what can keep the momentum going and keeps you encouraged and keeps you motivated. I invest. Investments are different from building. So I can invest in something like, you know, it's funny. I'm the most uninterested in oil and gas. I've never been interested in oil and gas. I feel it's for lazy people. (laughs) It's it's, um, very controversial. Um, So I've never never been an oil and gas person. Similar to oil and gas, but not the same opinion. Is agriculture for some reason? I'm not. I'm not really, really interested in agriculture, but I see the potential. I see the need, so I invest, mm. right? But I have to. I, so my decision to invest in something else is driven from interest and passion, mm. right? So I, I I look at it. Okay, this is, this is quite interesting. I, I I see how I can add value. I see how I can grow it. How I can yeah. scale, and then I make that decision from there. It's not really. You know, it's, you know, those decisions are made around, around that. So typically, that's how I, um, that's it's, how I move on to the next thing. And so, and I like to tie things together. Mm. So if you look at, if you look at it, again, always looking to solve a problem. And this was my vision, three five five group from the beginning. I wanted to put everything in one room. Mm. So when I started the restaurants, right, I knew okay, what will be the next phase? And I've, I've, there is, it's a five five phase thingy that I'm, I'm, I'm operating. So the restaurants are there. The fitness clubs came after. The security company came after because I have a security company that does yeah. corporate corporate guards and private protection, um, um, some maritime um, operations offshore, um, and then the hotels came. So the idea, the hotel was going to tie in all three. So yeah. I, I put all my businesses in one room. So I have a hotel. That hotel. Runs independently as a hotel. We yeah. sell your bed. That's what we sell in the hotel. 355 sells you your food. So for every hotel I own, 355 comes in as a separate company, a sister company, to run the F&B. Yeah. My gym, Fitness Central, comes in to manage fitness operations. My security company, Optimal, handles security. Yeah. But it's all on, it's under the group, but they are independent companies. Mm. They all have independent, strict structures. They do not. I mean, of course, in business, is in is our internal um, decision whether or not we want to, um, you know, um, um, back yeah. one of the business that might be suffering or might be having issues. So internally, you have things like um, um, intercompany loans. Um, you know, we move things around uh, as sister companies, but. Those things are strictly done by agreements. Yeah. Interests are paid. Um, so if I needed to loan loan the hotel some money because it just started operations just a year ago, I can borrow it from um, one of the three five fives. And every three five five is also independent. 
Mm. Um, there are also sub companies of the sister companies. Um, so that's the way I've done the structure. And the fifth tier is the grocery stores. So I'm rolling out a bunch of grocery stores. It's still in the F&B family. Um, that's, that's called 365 Express. Um, and then, um, you know, so, so it all ties in together. But then I try as much as possible to separate the businesses, but, but understanding that you guys can work together yep. and you guys can benefit and feed off each other. So that's how I've built the... How do you... So in terms of suggesting that, right, people that are into that want to be serial entrepreneurs as opposed to individually start one business. How important is it to think about how you can leverage on other businesses to build the success of one another? Yeah. Um, because when people come up with vision, how much do you, how much do you say that you guys, you, you, you have to think about what strategically you can do with mm -hmm. one business that would help make you know, all of them thrive. Because literally, like you've said, if your hotel is in one place, you've got to eat. Um, someone is staying in your hotel, they're eating at your restaurant. Suddenly, that one customer has fed all five businesses. Yeah. So what you do is pretty simple. You don't look for things that complement. Don't be greedy. Now, what Nigerian businesses do is we put in, we put in things that, we put in things within the business that cannot check each other. Mm. So it's very easy for me to go set up a procurement company mm. and do procurement for all my businesses. And that's where checks and balances come in. I can't be the guy signing the check and auditing the books, mm. even as an owner. That's not business. So what people do is, as opposed to looking for the compliments, right? They look for, they see it as, okay, if I'm, if I'm producing soap, right? Mm. Well, I'm producing uh, shea butter. Let me set up a procurement company that buys the shea butter and then my company buys it for me. Right? So you're going down that line, but it's dangerous because it doesn't, it, it, it doesn't, it doesn't directly complement, it, con you know, it, it conflicts because mm. what happens when there's a drop in price? Right? There's a supplier who can supply cheaper. But because you're the person, you, you keep buying from You don't yourself. even look. <laughs> That's the issue. So people, when they're thinking about those things, you have to look for things that will complement. For example, I give you for 355 does the food FMB for the hotel, but pays the hotel 20% revenue from yeah. every single plate that is sold. You yeah. have to. I'm giving you business. You must pay me. I don't care if you're my sister company. And I have the managers, actually, sometimes the managers actually fight each other. The GM mm -hmm. of the hotel is like, look, every every Monday they do reconciliation. Okay, you, you guys, we, we we you know we did X amount in F and B sales. Um, this is that this is my portion finance. I need my money in my account, right? So you have to do things that complement, but you have to do it in a very transparent way for it to grow mm. and for it to make sense. If not, it'll be very unattractive to investors because it just seems like there's something going on, even when there's nothing. Don't be, try and avoid writing the check and being the auditor. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Try, try and avoid that. Try and give your finance department a lot of autonomy to check you. You know, I don't play with those books. I, you guys need to, if, if I'm telling you to pay somebody, you need to, you need to ask me who are we paying and why. Yeah. You know, because yeah. these, are, these are things that down the line, with, with, you know, with, if, if you really want to you know, you execute your actual vision, at some point, you're looking to scale, you're looking to bring in investors, you're looking to sell 
liquidate 60% of your company. These are the things that actually bring value as opposed to your raw assets or the brick and mortar. So when you, you want to you know, scale a company, mm-hmm. right? What are important things that you have to know um, they have to be able to answer, you have to be able to do to make sure that your business is actually scalable. What are the questions that, from the perspective of you when you're looking as an investor, mm. what are the things that you, someone needs to be able to answer with confidence and mm. with good knowledge of the numbers and everything mm. um, that help give you confidence as an investor in a business? So, I mean, I said earlier that a lot of people, entrepreneurs, they focus their success on Instagram and Facebook, um, and they they spend time showing videos of how nice their place looks, and they give people the perception that they're doing well, but they're bleeding. It's internal bleeding. Um, for you to scale, you must have a viable reason to scale. Mm-hmm. Your business is viable. To know if your business is viable, you have to first there, there are steps. So you do a market check. You know, okay, is there a market for this? I'm not just going to open shop because yeah. I want to have two locations or three locations. In this area, what is the demographic of people in this area? What's the spending power? Do your proper research, right? Do all the financial analysis, your projections and everything you're going to do. Look at the macro. Macro is always, you know, it's always important. The economy, you know, at this time, um, what are the things, you know, what, is this smart for me to open a new outlet um, six months to to uh, general elections. Mm. Even if the macro is looking good and the um, and the and the projections are looking good, there there are other factors like insecurity. There are other factors like chaos. There are other factors like you know um, so many factors that you know politically um, you have to consider as a business. And mm. that's why uh, eighteen months before. Before elections, the foreign, the foreign, um, the, the foreign financial companies they pull out all their investment from Nigeria because yeah. it's too volatile. So even as a small business or a medium business or a large business, you know when you're considering scaling, you have to look at some of those things. Okay, in Nigeria, logistics is a nightmare. So when you're scaling, that's okay. I'm going to open something in the far north. Mm. Okay, I you know I struggle to go places that I can't have direct access. So that was one of my considerations. So mm. when I opened in Calabar, Abuja was my first uh, outlet out of Lagos. Yeah. That was pretty easy because that's 15 minutes away. And it's a place I've lived, a place I know. A lot of friends, I have a good network there. So it was a no-brainer. It's a federal capital as well. It's good spending power. I looked at Calabar. You know, Calabar, Calabar, I think Calabar was the third. Mm. Yeah. I went in there with direct flight. I had a good partner. That was one of my strongest um, reasons for going. Um, I had good government back in there. Um, based on my, my, by virtue of the partnership, um, we were going into a mall, so my, my risk was limited. I didn't have to stand on my own brick and mortar, mm. where I have to manage my gen, I have to manage my everything, my security. The mall, the mall just came up, the massive mall in yeah. in Calabar, so it made sense. So when, so you have to look at all the different factors, um, logistics. Okay, how do I get my stakes down there? How, do, how many flights a day go? How long will it take a bus to get to Kano? I'm opening one in Kano now next week. Um, and um, and then um, you, so you look at the uniqueness of the situation, uh, look at the environment, look at the uh, the economy, um, and then you make a decision based on that. It cannot be around sentiment. You can't, you know. I'm I'm, not, I'm from Undo, 
right? I, I, I do a lot of things in Undo that impact people. My foundation does a lot of things. But I'm not going to be sentimental and say, I want to open 355 Dead. There's no market for me. Mm. If I'm doing that, I know it's charity. You know what I mean? I, mm. But, you know, that, you know that, that old boy is your home. I get it. Right? But it's, it's business. Yeah. When I want to go there, I know I'm going there not to make money. I'm going there for charity. Right? And that's also fine. But at least it shouldn't, it shouldn't be my priority. Mm. You know what I mean? So um, things like that, uh, you cannot make emotional decisions when you're making those. And again, if you do go into any of those um, expansions and it doesn't work out, um, hang in there. But you have to, you, you have to, you have to know when to quit. Yeah. You have to know when to quit. Um, I've opened shops somewhere. I've closed it. I've reopened another place. Because I'm not going to... You can't keep taking from from, from Peter to pay Paul. Mm. You know what I mean? You have, to, you, have, you, have to just, you have to just look at this thing very, very... Obje- you know, I know it's people tie a lot of emotions. Because mm. it's your baby. You, you built it. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> you know, it's painful. I get it. But sometimes you have to put it aside and um, make some really hard decisions that, um, you know, I'm sure will pay off. Yeah. Because you, know, you reduce the pressure, the burden. You know, sometimes sometimes when things are not really working out, close the door, close the doors for some time. You know, give yourself some time to breathe, reconsider, reevaluate, and then you know, go back to the, to the drawing board. Can you give me an example? Just before we wrap up, can you give me an example of a position or experience you've been in where something has been failing and you've had to pull the plug. Can you give me an example of that experience? Because I think a lot of people, you know, like you said, very emotional with that kind of decision. Mm-hmm. So I've had, you know, a few of them, a few of those experiences, but I'm like, uh, my Calabar one, for example, I was in the mall. I got into the mall, you know, okay, it's a new mall. Um, I didn't really know much about the area, but I was more considered, con- considering safety and because it's in the mall, the shared facilities, I mean, spa is there, it's spa mall. Um, they had so many prospects of bringing the cinema operator. Mm. And, you know, they convinced me about how much, so many outlets were going to come, Med Plus and all the different players, the usual suspects you see in all these malls, how this retailer was coming. So, you know, when you're, when you're, when you're in the mall, you survive based off food traffic, mm. uh, majorly. Um, of course, you do your marketing and people come in. But people stumble on you. That's what that's what their whole idea about being in the mall. Mm. And the contracts were were, were, were watertight. The the figures, um, service charge per square meter, rental per square meter. These mm. were heavy. These were heavy figures. These were figures that these were Lagos rates. Mm. You know, I was paying thirteen million a year in Calabar for a two hundred and fifty square meter space. Mm. That's the same amount you pay in Landmark. Mm. You know what I mean? And this was what five years ago. You know what I mean? So I, I, um, you know, and the business was paying. You know, we started off and I brought something different, you know, to, to the Calabar mix. You know, I had Mexican cuisine, but I had to yeah. localize it as well. So I had two fusions uh, running. And then after a while, you know, when I guess spending power reduced or people felt like we were a bit too expensive and there were, maybe alternatives came, um, it, it just started, it started going down, started going down. And I found that I had to get HQ to keep supporting them. And we're always in the back and forth conversations, late on our rent, late on our service charge. I was always going back and forth with um, with, with, with uh, this guy. So I, 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 I told my guys, close the doors. Let's, let's, let's come together. Let's see what's going on. And I looked through the books and I realized that they were making money, but the place was too expensive for them. Ooh. So I said, close. 
go and rent a place that is three million for a year. Oh. Do it up, smash up the entire place, do it up to our own standard. Be in control of I mean we've been in Calabar long enough. We understand the terrain. Um we have loyal staff. Um and let's go do this on our own. So I closed it for about a year. Oh. Shut it down completely. Lights turned off. No communication with these guys. And you know, when the dust settled, then I was I was back energized again to go do do it do it on my own and do it better. I went back, but I, I wasn't going to yeah, you know, I wasn't going to be sentimental the fact that okay, yeah. you know, let's just you know, it's not that bad. You know, maybe things will pick up. Let's wait for Calabar Carnival. I'm like, listen, none of that because aside from bleeding financially, it's emotionally draining having to deal with an outlet that. It's not really yeah. profitable, and um, how long do you much. how long do you watch a bleeding dog bleed before you decide to put it out? I mean, <laughs> your bleeding is usually determined by what is in the account. <laughs> so so it get, yeah, it gets to it gets to the same point where you know you were hitting red. I'm like, you know what? Can't continue. Ooh. So I mean, if you have all the money in the world, you can sit. I mean, there I mean there are stores, and you you know this. There are stores on Bond Street. That you see, like there's no way these guys are paying the rental. Yeah. But these guys have hedge funds that are backing them, that have monies locked in for hundred yeah. years. These guys, are, you know, they they are there for a different reason. Mm. It can be maybe brand positioning. So if I was a, if I had KFC franchise money, um, where I just talk to HQ and yeah. say, guys, look, it's a bit slow now, but let's hang in there for five more years, uh, and you know, let's let's throw this in as a, as a, as a negative on our books. Then maybe, yeah. but it's a factor of what you, what you know, what you have in the bank. It's not really about patience. Yeah. As much as I would love, but at the same time, it's also you know, really, is this the place for you? Um, yeah. You know, that decision was 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 made by me. Like, look, the setup, I'm having a lot of issues, even with the mall. I was like, look, let me just, it's it's you know, it's all just all call come come, it's all crashing. Yeah. So you know, it's time. Um, it wasn't just about the financial position of the business. So. Okay. So one thing I like to do is I always like to ask people three golden nuggets that you would give any entrepreneur starting out today and golden nuggets you have not yet mentioned so far? I think the first one would be put God first. Um, you can you can be the smartest person in the world, m most disciplined, um, but you have to have a check. Mm. And um, as human beings, you might feel some kind of way when your wife checks you. Mm. You might feel like you've achieved enough for your parents not to tell you you were wrong. Um, you might feel your staff is your staff. Mm. So I don't care what you say. So there's only one person who you can speak to and you know you're not bigger than. Mm -hmm. So put God at the forefront of your business, whatever you do. Um, talk to him, respective of whatever religion you are. Um, talk to him, get his approval, disapproval. Um, so I think that's um, I think that's number one, and that's the most important. Second nugget would be um, big risks, big reward. Um, calculated a little bit, but um, be willing to risk it. Um, I always tell people nobody dies. Nobody dies. You know, you can it can it can get really hard 
But as long as you're still take you're still breathing, uh, you live to fight another day. So mm. take the risk, um, fight it out, um, you know, and um, I think um, you know, uh, fingers crossed, mm. you scale through. And um, the final one is um, just enjoy it. You know, enjoy the. Enjoy the, the good times, the bad times. Always be willing to learn. Mm. Um, you know, I, 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 I always tell people, you know, just be relaxed about anything you do. You know, when you're, when you're relaxed, you're always in a better um, position to make clear, clearer and cleaner decisions. Um, so, you know, see everything as, you know, it's fun. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's a ride, whether it's rough or smooth, but it's fun. So just enjoy it. You know, be joyful about it, you know, anything you do and, and, um, and you, you come out on top. You feel good about it. All right, Tola, thank you very, thank very you. much. Thank I really you. appreciate it. Thank you for tuning in for the latest episode of Shop Talk with the support of LSETF and make sure you keep on tuning in.